You are listening to the Tour des Flâneurs, the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France, powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Stage 5, today we are in Laval. Hello, my name is Richard Van Moore. I should have used that joke last <laughs> night. I missed my opportunity, but um, never too late. I'm with uh, McMansion Hell and Sauveur Merlin. That's right. I'm, I realized today I'm with two people with pseudonyms on Twitter. That's true, though I'm thinking about changing it. What are you going to be? Kate Wagner of some variety. Wow, you're you're unmasking yourself. It's true. I also want a blue check. <laughs> I'm sure you can get one. Francois, t- remind us of your uh, alter ego on, on Twitter, because this is a musical. Yeah, it, well, it actually started as a literary nickname, because I, when I published my first book, it was a, it was a noir novel. It was very, very grim under my own name. And when I, when I wrote my second novel, it was, it was a funny novel. And my publisher said, we can't publish two different books like this uh, under the same uh, moniker. And so he said, could you please find another name? And I said, well, and I said, Sauveur is, is, a, is a kind of Corsican, Marseille uh, first name. So I use Sauveur, which is ridiculous. Usually a place called, so- you know, Chez Sauveur is usually a pizza place. And, uh, and, I, and I chose Merlan, which means cod. Because it's a there's part of Marseille called Merlan, and it's also mean it's also mean in, in French uh, airdresser. So Sauveur Merlan uh, was absolutely ridiculous, and I knew by choosing this nickname that the publisher will ne- would never accept it, and and I could publish my the novel under my own name, which I did. I feel quite boring having my own name on Twitter, but <laughs> if you want to find these two on Twitter, McMansion Hell is Kate Wagner, and Sauveur Merlan is. Francois <laughs> well, yeah, or indeed. And you've, there's some YouTube uh, videos, uh, music videos that you've done yeah, under that name too. Yeah, because I kept that uh, strange name uh, for, for my singing career, and I, I, I made an, uh, 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 a LP under, under that name the, called The Magnificent Album of Sauveur Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a song about cycling there as well, which you've played before. Maybe that will feature in our tour coverage. Who knows? Well, today was a big day in the Tour de France. We will get on to talking about that in a moment. I'm very excited because Kate is doing the tail of the attack today. And, and I, I think I think this is going to be good. I think it's going to be very difficult for me to go back to doing it after this. But let's um, let's see. You were very interested in, invested in the time trial, Kate. So you, you want to do this. And I'm looking forward to hearing it. We should explain where we are because we're in quite a noisy bar in Laval. Um, hopefully it's just coming through as a bit of a nice atmosphere. Uh, we were here last night as well, and we had a, we should say, we had a delicious meal last night. They're definitely the, as Lionel would say, the golden knife and fork of the tour so far. Yellow jersey for last night's meal. It was, yeah, in a place called L'Antiquaire. And we had, well, you had foie gras. I mean, Richard Moore always has, always has foie gras. So I don't say that, Francois. You'll get me cancelled. No, no, no. I, I know, but there was, not, there was not much else to, to have. It was no, to... it was nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and uh, I, I can't remember what we had, Kate, but we had, we had cod, I know, uh, as, as, as the main dish. And as a starter, we had uh, a kind of guacamole uh, with prawns. It was, it was uh, like a pistachio bread mm. with prawns on it and it was a nice creamy sauce that was kind of guacamole like but not like as tangy 
No, it was excellent. I, I can't remember exactly yeah. what, what was in it, but it was excellent. And we dr and and for the wine, uh, the wine was lovers, so good. Uh, we had the, the the day before we had Sancerre Rouge, and this time we had uh, Mentou Salon, also red, and which was uh, yeah was excellent as well. Then I had uh, asparagus risotto, and no animals were harmed in the making of that. That's for sure. Well, let's crack on, shall we, with the tale of the attack. Come on, Kate, let's hear what ha what happened today on the Tour de France, stage five. Let's start. So the day started out with UAE team Emirates' Mikael Bjerg, who is one of many Danish rising stars in cycling, which I'm sure Richard will talk about later. He took an early lead over Tony Martin for the hot seat at the beginning. Bjerg stayed there for a decent chunk of the day, holding off the likes of his teammate Brandon McNulty, who arrived at the line over three minutes down, bloody and battered after what seemed to be a pretty rough crash. Dakuna quick steps Matteo Catania, who seems to grow stronger and stronger with each time trial he rides, would later claim that top spot, but not really for long. Meanwhile, the absolutely horrid weather wreaked havoc on not only McNulty, but another favorite, Stefan Bissinger of EF Education Nippo. I know because I was in the mix zone at the time getting fully soaked without an umbrella because I left it in Richard's car. However, despite this, EF was truly one of the strongest teams of the day, with Bissinger, Magnus Court Nielsen, and Nielsen Palace all having a run at the hot seat, the latter of whom was actually successful. When asked in the mix zone, actually, about the EFTT strategy, Palace credited the great deal of attention paid within the team to nutrition, as well as the time trial bikes Cannondale had provided for them as reasons why the team is showing such strength. However, Palace wouldn't stay in the hot seat for long. For Stefan Kuhn, the expected favorite and current Swiss and European TT champion, he rode an absolutely resplendent time trial, doing so with the poeticism he always promises on the time trial bike, where he carries himself forward with dance-like poise. Kuhn would hold on to the first place for most of the stage. However, once the main GC contenders came into play, the atmosphere of the race changed dramatically. First, there was the redemptive ride of Primoz Roglic, who managed to finish 7th overall and is now 10th on GC, despite what appeared to be some pretty gruesome injuries sustained in his Stage 3 crash. It's a classic Roglic story of superhuman perseverance and self-discipline in the face of truly brutal adversity, and the sport is made better by it. Should he heal in time, he could still prove to be formidable later in the mountains. It's a good sign. Meanwhile, in a true showing of form, Roglic's Jumbo Visma teammate Jonas Vingegaard did even better than his team leader, coming in third in the stage and eighth on GC, respectively. A decent but ultimately unsatisfying performance by Wout van Aert rounded things out for Jumbo Visma. Van Aert was fourth in both the TT and the GC by the end of the day. However, in the end, the true showdown was for the yellow jersey. Matthew, I've never been in a wind tunnel before, Vanderpool, after riding the longest time trial of his life, finished fifth in the stage, managing to hold off an absolutely ethereal performance by Tade Pagacha to keep the yellow jersey by a mere eight seconds. There was no doubt that Pagacha was the strongest contender by far in today's race against the clock. He eviscerated Kung's time by an astounding 19 seconds. In the final kilometers as he rode, Pagacha turned to look at the camera, and it was his face was that of a man just like totally in control of the race, the world, everything. His eyelids were half lowered, there was a placid smile on his face. Make no mistake, Pog is back, and despite his cherubic boy prince ways, he's absolutely out for blood. You've got the job. <laughs> the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France, powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat and drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insight, and personalized analytics. 
We are here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. My name is Alexis Ryan and I race for Canyon SRAM. First started using Super Sapiens last year when they came on as a sponsor of the team. My first impressions of it were it just reaffirmed what I kind of knew about my body when it came to energy consumption during training um, and before training. But then I started to ex experiment with it a little bit more. It was quite interesting to see, for instance, how traveling and jet lag affected my body and affected my blood sugar. So that was a pretty eye-opening experience when you travel across the world. And there's a lot of research around the gut being an important aspect of your circadian rhythm. The more I experimented with Super Sapiens, I realized that if I got onto a nutrition plan or like a food meal plan more quickly after traveling over, I reestablished my circadian rhythm more quickly. And I learned that through using Super Sapiens in the biosensor. Thank you very much indeed to Super Sapiens, our title sponsor um, for continuous glucose monitoring. Uh, try Super Sapiens. I'm wearing mine here. Our, our press officer on one of the teams uh, was using Super Sapiens, I noticed today. I was asking him about it. They're not an official Super Sapiens team, so I'll not reveal the team, but he was. Uh, he said the team are, are using it um, in training, obviously. Alexis Ryan, interestingly, when I was speaking to her, lives on the same she lives in Athens Georgia a great music city in America home of the, of REM and the B52s and she lives on the same street as one of the B52s mm. there you go exciting she's a bit too young for the B52s <laughs> but i told her they were very good and if you would like to enter our super sapiens competition to win 3 months worth of super sapiens sensors go to the cyclingpodcast.com and you'll see how to send in a clip of audio, no more than 60 seconds, telling us why you want to win three months of Super Sapiens, how you would use it, why you want to, to try it. could be to uh, aim for a, an ambition, a goal. can be anything at all. Just uh, send us in your audio. We're getting a few entries now, and we'll play some of them in the podcast. On the subject of sending in clips of audio, don't forget that on the rest day, on Monday, we will do our now usual, now traditional press conference. That'll be Francois, me and Kate, uh, a day before Lionel Burney arrives at the tour. So it'll be our last day with Kate, which will be a sad day. But I'm sure we'll get you back on the podcast during the tour, uh, Kate, and we'll be hearing your audio diary in Kilometer Zero, of course. But if you'd like to send in a question for the press conference episode, email us, contact at thecyclingpodcast.com So, folks, it was all about Tanay Pogachar today, wasn't it, really? It's funny what a time trial, isn't it? Because different stories reveal themselves through the day, and there was a point today where I thought EF were the story, because and it's all about timing. They did pack the, the higher, you know, there were some surprising performances, I thought, from them. Magnus Court ended up 12th in the day. You know, in fact, he beat his team leader um, Rigoberto Iran by one second. Iran was 13th. Nielsen Paulus, a, a very good rider, and Stefan Bissiger had a bit of bad luck. He just managed to hold on when his wheels slipped on a, on a greasy corner, and he'll be disappointed to finish 18th, but four riders in the top 19, and, you know, it made me think, you spoke to Nielsen Paulus, um, that they're doing something right in time trialling at the moment. Um, you know, they're, they're, their kits are interesting, uh, the bikes are obviously interesting. They're doing something right. But then... Of course, when the later riders come, the story changes completely. And had Matthew van der Poel not been in yellow and, and, and 
had done that that sort of time earlier in the day, we'd be going, oh my God, that's incredible. I mean, there's so much emphasis now on wind tunnels, equipment, position. You know, time trial specialists are really devoting their entire career to being faster on a time trial bike. And here's a guy who, if we're to believe what we're told, has never been in a wind tunnel, doesn't train on his time trial bike, um, you know, hasn't ridden a, a many time trials at all. But I've, as I think we saw with Julian Alaphilippe a couple of years ago when he was in the yellow jersey, when you're in the yellow jersey and there's so much at stake, you can produce a performance like that. Well, he said afterwards, uh, after the race, he said it stayed up until midnight with with his team mechanics to fix the bike in the best possible position. So, you know, he, he knew he really wanted to be up to the... Uh, to the situation. But Francois, that's like, you know, revising till three o'clock in the morning the night before an exam. That's right. Yeah, that's if you right. Don't know it now, if you don't know it now, you'll never know it. <laughs> He's cramming. He's, it's the cram session of his life. Yeah, but I mean, you know, he, he, he did that and the, 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 simp the, the mere fact that he did that proves how much this uh, yellow jersey means. You know, there, there are two things when you, you wear the yellow jersey. It, it kind of pushes you, as you said, beyond your limits. But in the same time, you have a duty to be up to the to the, the jersey you have on your back and uh, i mean obviously given his sheer power and strength and uh, we, we've seen within much of underpool you know break away with 80ks to go and and win a, a stage in a major race so i mean this guy can time trial obviously yeah um, and 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 he, and and he did today and and it's great because otherwise it would have been the entirely the, the tadej the tadej pogacha show i know what you you're all about i mean daniel and you mentioned you know you're you're, you're very wary of a new dynasty with a you know pog going for two three four five uh, five tour victories if pog had been in the yellow jersey today it would have probably been the, not day one because there's there's always already be like an introduction a, a prologue to, to to his dynasty but had it, had it taken the jersey now well what, what what would be left of the two of the tour not much Ooh, that's spicy. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no, it's interesting with Vanderpool because the way, like I said earlier on the podcast, the way that he rides is just completely and totally with his heart. And he he's a smart guy too, don't get me wrong, but he he commits himself so totally to his task. And it, it's so satisfying to watch him. It was so satisfying to watch him as we stood there in the mix zone getting kind of still sprinkled with rain. The way that he just like, crouched over that bike and just put every single watt of his body into it knowing and, and you know holding pog off by eight seconds it's like nothing i mean it, it's like francois said you can totally tell it that it means something to him but also i mean you know cyclocross and time trials are both like 30 minutes essentially of insane top watt effort now those are very two very different you know ways of riding cyclocross you're talking about you know, you're also running, you're also going upstairs, you're bunny hopping, you do have these all these bike handling techniques. And, you know, the bike handling is a big part of it. It was a nasty day. You know, a worse bike handler would have, you know, eaten it if they tried to put as much watts into the time trial bike in the way that Vanderpool did without having the, the extreme skill to control and navigate around those corners. So I think it makes total sense that he's decent on the time trial bike. But... Just how decent and how quickly is is a remarkable story, and I think it does speak to the power of the yellow jersey as a motivating factor. Yet, yet, you know, I, I, I might I might have sounded a little bit, you know, 
uh, over the top, as, as I often do, <laughs> but by saying, you know, Pog might, might have def definitely stolen the show today, apart from the Vanderpool, uh, you know, feat. But, but look at the figures. I mean, they speak for themselves. We keep saying that the Tour de France has been decided by, you know, uh, uh, thinnest margins every uh, year. And, and look, look now, you've got, uh, uh, you know, Wood Van Aert is 22 seconds behind. He's the only, you know, within reach of Pog. All the others are, are I, th I think, Uran is 120. And all the others are Roglic, Carapaz. Uh, well, let, let's forget about Garen Thomas. They're, they're all more than 130 behind Pogacar now after five days in the race. So, well, I, I'm, I'm sorry to have to point this out, but this is a huge achievement already and it'll be very, very difficult given the, the strengths that Pog has showed, shown today. It will be very, very difficult for these guys. Most of them have been involved in crashes as well, so it takes time to, to heal from that. From that. I, I don't want to, to sound, you know, ominous, but... Uh, well, but, but you are. <laughs> um, I mean, our friend uh, Ben Lowe of Veloviewer, uh, we um, well Veloviewer provide the 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 route profiles that we put out every day on social media. Thanks very much to to Ben and Veloviewer for that. But he pointed out today that this was a much tougher time trial than it maybe looked on paper, and the the time gaps kind of bear that out. They, they were huge, really. I mean, yeah. Pogacar took 19 seconds out of a, a specialist, Stefan Kung, but going back through the field, the, you know, the 10th the place rider, Alexei Lutsenko, is a minute down. These are pretty big gaps, and as you say, uh, Francois, on, on GC now, there's very clear daylight between Pog and his GC rivals. I mean, if we exclude Van Aert, and I think Philippe too, on today's evidence, I don't think he's going to mount a challenge. Jonas Vingegaard, at a push, is the closest GC rider, and he's not a GC rider. Well, Uran, there's Uran. Sorry, I do apologise to Uran. Uran is is one twenty nine down, or so one twenty one down on, on Pogacar. So he's he's one twenty one ahead of his closest kind of GC rival, really. I would argue, and and the others are considerably further behind. Yeah, not a good day for. I mean, it was a very good day for Vingegaard. Um, not a good day for the likes of Richard Carapaz. Uh, Geraint Thomas, Wilco Kelderman, your man, Kate. What on earth <laughs> happened to him? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Wilco Kelderman usually is pretty decent in a time trial, but today he just he just cracked, and it was a little disappointing because he was really strong uh, going into this. And Carapaz, he cracked big. I mean, there were some big losers today. I think that cycling, but I was surprised really at how badly Kelderman did. Even Gary Thomas, who was just wounded on, a sh on his shoulder wound, when you put all that weight on your shoulder in the time trial bike, I mean, it's really painful. Like, even he did better than Wilco Kelderman. Like, astonishingly bad. I mean, Carapaz and Kelderman are truly the two losers of the day, I would say. Yeah, I, I'm afraid crashes, you know, at, at their toll on, on, on lots of favorites for, for the in the first three days. And, and then, you, you know, Pogacar in many ways, I'm, I'm not saying bore the fatal blow, it would, be, it would be a little bit too much. But I mean, we're not far from that. O on the side stories, you mentioned education, EF education, Nippo as, as, you know, great team performance. The Danes were amazing as well. Uh, today, uh, they, they, they could have been a story before Pogacar started, but we, we had, you, we, as you said, you had Vingegaard uh, there. You got Kasper Asgreen, who did very well. Uh, Bjerg, you, you know, Crow confirmed. Anderson, yeah, all I mean, the all these guys. 
that, that there's they're very as as a nation of of rouleurs, as we say in Fr in French and now in in English, <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they're they're very impressive. Very impressive. It seems almost like the right time to take the Tour de France to Denmark, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> but I wouldn't be so grim, honestly, about Pog dealing the final blow because you have to also look at the teams. We all thought this was like like what Richard said, that this was going to be a story about the individuals, the Slovenians against the collective Ineos Grenadier super team. That's no longer the case. But because, I mean, we also see, I mean, Ineos is decimated. Jembo Visma is pretty much decimated. But so is UAE Team Emirates. I mean, I talked to Mark Hershey today and he is in considerable pain. Like I watched them, they had to put on his jacket for him because he can't really move his, his arm. And so, and McNulty came in looking absolutely wrecked. So it's interesting to see how this will play out. I think it's going to be more cowboy cycling than like team strategy. You don't pedal with your arms, Kate. I know. <laughs> <laughs> As you know, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast and uh, on the Tour de France for a couple of years now, I, I like, I, I love to contradict myself. <laughs> and, and, and the thing I'd like to point out now is, is that the, in a way the Tour becomes more exciting now. In a way, because wow, no, wow. because this, of this podcast is taking a surprising, <laughs> surprising. No, no, but I'll tell you why. I tell you, Ineos Grenadiers for, for, for you know for, 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 for one team, you know, they they have nothing left to lose now. They they, they lost so much time. Uh, I mean, probably the GC ambitions are crushed. There's only Carapaz, maybe with a with a with a with a chance now. If, but they they, they really have to attack to to topple uh, Pogacar from you know his position. Everyone will have to, like Yumbo, Ineos, every team is going, it's now, Pog is a marked man. I mean, there's probably no man on earth as marked as he is right now. But let's not forget, he's never had to defend the yellow jersey. No. He's only worn it one yeah, day right. on a ceremonial stage into Paris. That, that's what makes it really interesting. Now he's, he's got, as we say in French, he's got a target on his back, you know. Uh, uh, we say that in English as you well. Say, as you say it in English, yeah, I'm yeah. sure you say that in Italian. I bet and you say it in a more interesting way in French. <laughs> um, let's hear from Stefan Kung, shall we? He was the long-time leader. Big stage for his team because Mark Madio, Mark and Ivan Mario, Ivo Mario are from here, aren't they? Yes. So it's a kind of it was a home stage for his team, Groupama FTG. A big day for him, and it looked for a long time like he might be the winner, but he was he was pipped by Pogacar in the end, and he seemed a little bit shell shocked by that when we spoke to him at the finish. You must have been confident, and you were very disappointed in the end. I kind of felt like if I'm going to be beaten by less than 10 seconds then maybe it could have been possible but I think everybody thinks like that when he crosses the line although uh, 18 seconds uh, yeah I mean I did a really good ride I did a really good performance I was everything was on top my material I was on top I knew what I had to do and yeah I've just been beaten by stronger rider today so hats off to Tadej and I'll fight back in the second TT. Are you surprised by the level of his performance because I guess there were a few rivals for you today. Maybe he wasn't the, the top one. No, honestly, I was more scared of uh, Wout van Aert because uh, it remembered me a little bit of uh, Tirreno Adriatico when I was sitting in the hot seat for a long time as well. And then he came last and he beat my time. Tade kind of was on my radar a little bit, but then I didn't. I don't focus on other riders. Uh, maybe it would have been an advantage to have uh, the intermediate time checks, but. Then, uh, yeah, as I said, I gave my maximum and, uh, yeah, heads off to him. And luckily there is a second TT, which uh, might suit me a little bit better. And I hope that he's going to get uh, a little bit tired during this uh, Tour de France. And then I will try to do my best. 
Science in Sport is supporting the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France. Science in Sport, fueled by science. Science and Sport for their support of the cycling podcast. Very grateful to them. If you'd like 25% off all your Science and Sport products, go to scienceandsport.com and enter the code SISCP25. SISCP25. Francois was waiting there to say it, but we'll we'll save that for another night. Um, and uh, a reminder that we're running our Super Sunday competition. Guess the winner of Sunday's stage accurately. And uh, your name will go into the Cycling Podcast casket. And if you are the name that's pulled out, you'll win £80 worth of science and sport goodies. But thanks very much indeed to Science and Sport. Once again, their support has been absolutely crucial to us for five years now. We should hear from Chiro. Uh, we had an email, a very nice email from someone called Lorna Walker. Thank you for your email, Lorna. I very much appreciated sentiments contained therein uh, and you also said in your email that you wanted to hear from Chiro Chiro's only here until the Alps so I caught up with him briefly at the finish today I found the lesser spotted Chiro uh, only on the Tour de France for a week so I'm glad to have grabbed you Chiro um, we've had a, a special request from a listener to hear from you uh, Lorna, I'm uh, very happy uh, to have uh, read your mail and I'm very happy to know that uh, you want uh, to listen to me in the podcast. Uh, Lorna, I must confess that uh, you are not the only one. I have, I think, uh, a crowd uh, more or less as Alaphilippe in France uh, or the Shark in Italy, not less. Lorna Walker, that is. She sent a very nice email. Much appreciated, Lorna. And one of your requests was to hear from Chiro. Chiro, we started off on the coast. It was a bit cold up in Brittany. We, we saw the sea in Brest. Um, you're going as far as the Alps. It's not the perfect sort of first week for you in terms of the course, is it? Not perfect, Richard, but it's my opinion. It's better to have a cold on the sea than having marvelous sunshine in the mountains. So, so uh, I'm happy of this big start in Bretagne, yes. And who are you shadowing here, Chiro? Sonny Colbrelli riding well, um, the shark is here. How's the shark getting on? I mean, in my opinion, he's going uh, ahead uh, thinking about the Olympic Games, you know. Here he has no ambition of the overall. And if you remember in Rio five years ago, he was really close to take a medal, but he crashed on the last descent. And so he would like really to have a revenge in Tokyo here not ops of overall maybe trying to win a stage later even if it's not easy I think he'll try and win a stage while you're still on the race do you think that'll be in the back of his mind but I prefer that uh, he win when I will be in the office at not now because you know if he wins I have to write really a lot more so this is my request Vincenzo if you have to win the stage think in Pyrenees is better <laughs> I know he listens to the podcast so Vincenzo do, uh, do, do it for Chiro also Pyrenees are a marvellous place to win a stage remember this lovely to hear from Chiro lovely to, always lovely to see Chiro always, always a man in a rush in a hurry but as you say well, we, Pogacar I mean uh, the other day Richard Pluga suggested that they were anticipating uh, Roglic losing a minute and a half to Pogacar today even before his crash that didn't happen he didn't lose as much as that but it was a very commanding performance wasn't it from 
a rider who, well, I wouldn't say keeps surprising us, but that La Planche de Belfi time trial wasn't a one-off, was it? We know that now. Yeah, and actually, there there are very few riders who won uh, back-to-back time trials on the Tour de France. I think the last one being Bradley Wiggins in 2012. Uh, and and uh, another piece of uh, uh, you know trivia, I think Pogacar is actually the young the 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 youngest ever winner of two back-to-back time trials on the Tour de France. It, it's 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 a, it's a kind of a lame stat, but it's a fact. It is, it's scraping the barrel there with the stats, but well, yeah, I mean he's 22, isn't he? I mean he's still ridiculously young, and certainly now he is the the favourite to win the Tour de France. There's no question about that. It was interesting watching him watch Van der Poel come in because it's clear that he he did want the yellow jersey. You know, he was interested in that and he wanted it. It was suggested by Seb Piquet afterwards that it would be better for him not to have the yellow jersey at this stage. But I, I got the, the very strong feeling that he really does want it because he's not experienced it very much, as, as I said earlier. Uh, and that will be the next test for him because I'm sure he will take it on Saturday at the stage to Le Grand Barnon, unless Matthew van der Poel does something unexpected. Shall we hear from uh, another rider who uh, impressed us today and who could still have quite a big say in this year's race? You mentioned him, Kate, and so did you, Francois, but he was third on the stage, Jonas Vingegaard. You know, he's here as Roglic's shadow. I think you called him Roglic's shadow, Kate, and when we were speaking to him in the, in the mix zone afterwards. That's his job here. He's now up to 8th overall. Roglic is 10th. He was very clear that Roglic is obviously still the team leader, but he's a very handy card to have to play for that team, I think, at this point. He's uh, dodged all the bullets so far. He's come through pretty unscathed. He's well positioned. So let's hear what he had to say at the finish. I also want to do good in GCs in the future. So, yeah, I, I wanted to give it a try just for training. I hope I can do well in the future, but also depends on my development. I mean, uh, I, I don't think I'm there yet to do a, a good GC in a three-week-long race, but but hopefully I will be there in the future. It's been a crazy tour. What have you learned so far? Yeah, that it's crazy. I mean, uh, especially uh, yeah, the first day and, and the third day was, uh, was, was quite crazy. I think... Uh, yeah, the third day was on small roads and um, made it really, really nervous. Some crashes in the end, and uh, yeah, then yesterday it was better because we had bigger roads. Um, then we could sit a bit more in the back, and then yeah, we just could could relax a bit more. So, are you encouraged by Roglic's performance today? He's um, ridden very, very well. Does that suggest that he's maybe recovering from his injuries? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, if he would be doing a time trial yesterday, I think he, he wouldn't be doing this good. So, uh, so yeah, I think uh, he's recovering. He's, I think he's getting better and better. And hopefully, I mean, the, the, the mountain stage is, uh, is coming up, but, but hopefully he will be recovering even more. That was Jonas Vingegaard. It's all kicking off here in our bar in Laval. Um, but it was, I mean, when he came through and, you know, finished third on the stage, you look at the riders ahead of him, Pogacar is obviously in a class of his own, and then uh, Stefan Kung is is a time trial specialist, and Vingegaard is a kind of climber and, and a slightly built guy. He was clearly surprised himself to put in such a strong performance, but looking at him, it was surprising that he was capable of a, a ride like that. 
Yeah, he's kind of an interesting figure as a GC contender because he, you know he doesn't he lacks the kind of explosiveness that like a Roglic or a Pagacha have, but at the same time he's not like a pure climber like a Roman Bardet or like a Guillaume Martin, where everything happens in the mountains and the time trial is a true weakness. He's interesting because he's a he's a climber truly at heart, but he also is a, is a very talented time trialist. And it's interesting to see that without the kind of explosivity we've come to expect from GC contenders in the current modern era. Any other odds and sods from today, Francois? Um, I mean, Wat Van Aert, I think, was disappointing and disappointed. Just didn't have a good day. Geraint Thomas, you know, I mentioned last night that after a similar-ish injury at the Giro a few years ago, he still produced a very good time trial. He didn't today. He said he, he woke up feeling terrible. Didn't look, he, he looked out of sorts. Richie Port did a good time trial today, but you know he's lost a bit of time. Richard Carapaz, this is his weak discipline. Uh, you know, I'd say Garrett Thomas is out of it, but Richie Port and Richard Carapaz could still have something to say in this race. But any other bits and pieces from today that you notice? Yeah, once again, you 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 mentioned EF, you know, education Nipo. And if and and you said the Jumbovis might have been kind of disappointed, but they were not. I mean, they they are only disappointed because Pogacar is is ahead of them. Otherwise, that their their overall performance is quite good. Well, they, have, they actually have three yeah, riders absolutely. on the top. So, well, they've got three riders. So that, that's top that's the problem GC, we have yeah. on the Tour de France now. We we, we have strong teams, and Jumbovisma are, are maybe not as strong as they were. As they looked three in the top course, seven, yeah. and the day. but they're, they're still a, a force to be reckoned with. Uh, only Pogacar is, 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 you know, is a little bit, you know, is, is, is in another, you know, he's not, he's not in top flight, he's on another flight. He didn't crash, really. That's the big thing. It's like all these guys who got holed up, they've all crashed and they've all suffered. And he kind of came out unscathed, which is honestly why the performance of Wilco Kelderman was so surprising because Kelderman also managed to avoid most of the carnage and yet he didn't perform in the same way. Bring me Wilco Kelderman is is one of the very memorable, very one of many memorable lines in your audio diary that's released tomorrow, Kate. As uh, well, that's part one of three as part of our Kilometer Zero series. Today was uh, our writer diaries, the first installment of those. Tim De Klerk, uh, Connor Swift, Victor Campanarts, and Ben O'Connor. Um, that's uh, that's available now. So uh, Kate's diary is coming tomorrow. Francois, we're going to move on to French culture before it gets too noisy in this bar. What is going <laughs> well, on? It's, I it's, mean, uh, you know, it's Tour de France uh, night in Madiou, Yvon Madiou and the Madiou families. Uh, well, not, not only home, uh, well, it's not really their hometown because their hometown is Ronazé, which is not too far away from there. But it's the first time ever uh, a, a whole Tour de France stage took place in the Mayenne department, where the Mayo uh, brothers are from. Uh, and other notable riders from Laval, the most famous Jackie Durand. If you happen to be in France at the moment or uh, and, and, and you know, looking at the Tour de France on Eurosport, Jackie Durand is the is the, 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 their main con consult, consultant and is, a, in my opinion, one of the best consultants around because he's, Jackie is a real, well, we, we knew he was, we know he was a great writer in his own way, kind of a breakaway specialist, the, the kind of baroudeur, as we say in French, we, we, we love. But Jackie keeps doing a great job as a consultant because he loves cycling. He goes to the, 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 the most, you know, the smallest 
races is there. You know, he he he, he, he scouts young riders. He, he keeps informed, and that's you know that's what you need to be a good consultant. Unfortunately, we know of a couple of them. We we won't give any names, obviously, who are maybe not as dedicated to the task. Not as dedicated. <laughs> um, he's got a lovely languid voice as well, Jackie Jaron. It's a it's it's great voice to have a a little afternoon those two. Oh, not that. What what you're saying isn't very interesting. Of course, is you mentioned the uh, depart the department we're in, Francois. We've actually had a question from Andy Wardle, um, which uh, we could say for the press conference, or maybe you can think about it until the press conference. Can I ask if you know which department in France has produced the most Tour de France winners? You mentioned that Eno and Bobby have won eight between them. Is there another department that's produced mm, more than this? We might might have to research that. So we'll get back to you on that one, Andy. Um, but we're going to go for dinner, uh, Francois. I went for a bike ride this morning, um, which was very nice with Tom Carey of the Telegraph. Um, it's a it's a very nice um, part of the world. Lots of, and we saw this in the time trial. The, the roads are very very straight and uh, it's kind of lumpy. Uh, it makes climbs quite hard, um, deceptively hard. But uh, what can you tell us about the area and? Uh, uh, what 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 highlights we and, and also we we need our word of, of the course, day for tomorrow. Ah, uh, yeah, we're, uh, there isn't one, <laughs> is there? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, well, well, we'll we'll think of one. Yeah, we'll find one before <laughs> the end of this uh, <laughs> of this today's episode. <laughs> that. Yeah, no. Uh, well, we have the cheese of the day because you mentioned you mentioned going to going for dinner soon. Um, I guess that the cheese will be so. We, we saw last night when we had this great dinner that, 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 that they actually produce camembert here. But we're away, uh, 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 obviously, from the nominal uh, region of camembert. But the most famous cheese produced in the area is called Port Salut. Uh, and Port Salut was produced by monks in the old days. And, and it was so popular the, because they were, it was an abbey called Port Salut. And it, it was so popular. Uh, this cheese that it was copied by, by many, many other monks and many other farmers and producers. And in the end, the, the monks decided that to prove, you know, that, to, that they, they should kind of label of their, of their cheese and they, they sealed their, their cheese with the word Port Salut on the cheese. And, and there's a French expression now, c'est écrit dessus comme le Port Salut, meaning it's written on it like Port Salut. The problem these poor monks had in the in the long term is that the the, the appellation Port Salut was bought by an, an industrial firm, and this industrial firm uh, started producing Port Salut. Uh, they, they tried to uh, the monks tried to you know produce more cheese. Uh, you know, in the, in, in the first half of the 20th century, but for health reasons in the 1960s and, and for sanity reasons, you know, all the, the norms you have, uh, they, 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 they actually couldn't go on anymore and, and, they went, and they went bankrupt. And also Laval, because we mentioned cheese, is, is, the, is the headquarters of Lactalis, which is what the, 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 one of the world leaders of dairy products, and they have lots of different... Uh, kinds of cheese, but industrial cheese. But so we're in the cheese uh, area. Um, what else can I say? We mentioned already, and it's funny because I thought about it. The, the word yesterday was naive because we're we're very close to the we're to the museum there. of naive yeah. arts. And and in many ways, uh, when we when you look at Tadej Pogacar, he looks naive. You know, the, the same way as the Duane Rousseau's paintings looked naive and were probably much worth much more than we expect. And a, a little bit the same for Pog. You know, look, looks naive, but it's worth uh, a lot. Have you given us a word of the day yet, Francois? Have you heard? It? Have you thought of one yet? <laughs> no. Um, what could we have for our word of the day? 
Okay, we settled on a word of the day, or rather you have, Francois. It's a word well, that would be familiar I, I, to cycling I, yeah, fans. I, yeah, I, I picked a very simple word, which is, an noun, which is a noun, which is also uh, a, a, a name, which is the name of the t tour. Tomorrow we start from tour, uh, and we're on the tour. Uh, so obviously it's a, it, it's an interesting word tour as well because it means lots of things in fr in French. Uh, well in English, what what does tour mean? It it means usually well a tour of a band g going around the country or you know. So it's a, it's a little it's bit a like journey. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit like the the, the well the tour like we we're going from town to town and and stuff or a tour when when you go on a tourist tour a trip around the country. The, 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 uh, uh, oddly enough, the, this is not a. You know, the, uh, we don't say tour in French for that, that sort of thing, uh, but tour means many things. It means it actually means kind of a circle. You know, walk going around a place, and that, that's more the the idea. A, a lap, for instance, on on a track is un tour. If you if you lose a lap or you know uh, earn a lap, it's un tour. You know, uh, and tour is also uh, a tool you use to in pottery. You know, uh, when when you you know, you, you you make a pot. Stacy uh, Snyder will know all about that. Of course. Uh, so Stacy, you know, I don't know how you say that in in English. To be honest, the the the, the, the your main the main tool to uh, to, to you the know pot, to the potter's wheel. Yeah, the potter's wheel. It's it's in French. It's also a uh, tour, and and well, and obviously tomorrow we're going to tour. Why is tour called tour? Do you know? My my uh, impression of that is that uh, I mean tours also means tower, and you know we have lots of towers. We go around castles, around France, and so tour is 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 quite a is, you know involves a, a lot of different uh, significations. So why why tower and tour are, are you know the tower is is usually circular. So I suppose that's uh, it, it all it all comes from you know Latin obviously. Um, yeah, so I think tour is an interesting word because it means many, many things, and uh, and it's a good way uh, in in French when you write a story and you want to to sound funny uh, about the Tour de France to to play uh, on the words and you know so lots of puns around tour, uh, like like you have autour de someone means it, it's the turn it's Richard Moore's turn. You say c'est le tour de Richard Moore, so you you, you can really you know play. Uh, uh, around with, with with that word, so yeah, you know, tour, tour Quite is a word. tour is a word of the day. Um, well, listen, we should wrap things up because we do need to go and have dinner, don't we? Now, yeah. hopefully, it'll be as good as last night. Um, so we're back tomorrow, Chateau Roux, where um, Mark Cavendish won in 2008 his first Tour de France uh, stage win. Um, it's also Lionel Bernie's birthday tomorrow, so we might hear from Lionel. Who knows? But we might also have a a message or two for Lionel in tomorrow night's podcast. We're saying somewhere very nice tomorrow night in honor of Lionel's well, birthday because well, originally he was going to be there <laughs> to enjoy it, but we will enjoy it in his I, absence. I guess tomorrow's song of the day will probably be, you know, a link to a birthday. Maybe, maybe. That's all for now anyway. Thank you very much, Francois. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. Thanks. We play out, of course, as ever, with Song of the Day. Uh, you're competing against quite a lot of background noise here, Francois. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's, it's I suppose it's like, you know, be, uh, singing in front of a loud audience when you're in a band, you know, and the guys are not listening to you. And You're the support band and everyone's there to see the main act. The, the problem is these guys have lots of beers on their, uh, on their table, so if I don't sing well, they might throw beer cans and glasses to me, at, at me, but, well, I'll try my best. So the song, the song I, I, I'll sing now is a song by a guy called Dick Anagon. Dick Anagon is a Dutch guy who lived in France for almost all his life. He's quite a, 
He's, he's an interesting character. He's, uh, he's kind of an activist. In the, he's, he's been a green activist for many, many years. He's been, uh, uh, you know, uh, defending the, the rights of, uh, you know, the homosexual, the homosexual community for many, many years. He's, 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 he's my age now, or maybe even older. So, he, But he's, he's, he's always been a very interesting <coughs> singer singing in French. Being a Dutchman, of course, is interested in cycling. And if you're interested in the underground, he has a song about cycling that's called Vélo Vol. It's, a, it's a, another pun, you know, Vélo Vol. Uh, and you can find it on YouTube. It's a nice little clip. Uh, he's on a bike and he's, ride, he's riding along. So uh, I thought he was... Uh, so I, I, chose a, I chose a song by Dick Anagan because it's called Perubu. And, and the Perubu is a, is a, is a very famous... Uh, novel play by, by a uh, writer called Alfred Jarry. And Alfred Jarry lived at the beginning of the 20th century and he was in Laval. He was, he was a pupil, a student in the, the local high school and he was, he was one of the pioneers of surrealism and he, he really shocked uh, well, the, word, the, the, the town of Laval and his, and his teachers at the time when he, he wrote the, the, this book called Le Perubu. And it's a, a really classical literature. It was really, it's, it's, it's very, a str very strange work of art. It was pretty, pretty shocking for the time, but pretty shocking for now as well. Um, and Dick Anagan, uh, uh, you know, wrote this song about Le Perubu. Uh, he, he was kind of satire of the bourgeois of the time. And, and this is what uh, Le Perubu by Dick Anagan sounds like. Dans un pays pas très loin d'ici, dans un pays plat, aussi plat qu'un plat, aussi petit qu'un petit confetti, il avait pas de loi et chacun pour soi. Il avait un tout petit zizi et un gros cul, le père Ubu. Sa madame était une femme infâme et toute dodue, la mère Ubu. Bête et méchant, les deux emmerdants n'aimaient que l'argent et la crème en blanc. Ils avaient un plan pour un coup d'état, pour un clou d'éclat avec un bazooka. Mais il avait un tout petit zizi et un gros cul, le père Ubu. Sa madame était une femme infâme et toute dodue, la mère Ubu. Standing ovation from the bar, please. <laughs> 